Shawty, what's all with y'all? Oh, hi. Coming to say you're lucky, fine. We got to cutting it off. It she know about the kid and fuck on my line. I'ma keep it up all with y'all. But Shawty, I'm trying to make you mine. Don't make it too easy, I wanna try. She looking too good, can't let it go by. Oh, yeah. Think I won the lotto. This slow mulatto. She could be a model. She wanna show me some. Think I won the lotto. In today's episode, Jordan and I begin by recapping the Celtics and Sixers game, and then we recap the Warriors and Lakers game, followed by the Heat and the Knicks game. All right, I'm here with Jordan, and we're going to be talking about that massive Celtics victory last night. Um, they beat an MVP and bead team. I'm very impressed with the Celtics team. Uh, their offense was back on track. We got good production out of most players, maybe not Tatum. But let's just start with you. What was your first takeaway from the game? Yeah, first takeaway. So last game, obviously, was the, the horrible loss. Uh, Sixers didn't have Embiid. Celtics totally collapsed down the stretch. This game kind of felt like Celtics didn't have Tatum. He had seven points, uh, one for seven, played 19 minutes, barely played in the second half, and the Celtics win by, what, 30-something? So it kind of felt like we, we got some revenge. Um, for when they beat us without their best player, it felt like we beat them without our best player. Guys, uh, finally just started knocking down shots. Offense was flowing, like we've we've seen it throughout the season. And I loved what I saw. One one big shout out. I'm gonna go to Marcus Smart, the guy that we've been criticizing all season. What what'd you see? Yeah, I mean Smart had um kind of like a classic Smart game. He was diving all over the floor, getting the loose balls. Um, just putting his body on the line. Um, he was making a lot. There's a couple plays. I didn't write down the time um, because I, I forgot, but there was a couple of plays where I noticed he would get the, the ball at the top of the key and it would be in a transitional move. So he'd have space. And I think last game he would have shot that, but this game he didn't even look to score. He just looked, he like would do a, a DHO to Rob Will and have the offense flow around. And I love that because I think I've and I've mentioned this on the podcast here before. Marcus Smart was elite last playoffs. That's when he was really unlocked when he was being a facilitator and he he wasn't shooting as much as he is now. Um and that's what we saw again last night was him facilitating, taking smarter shots, um and doing the little you know gross things on the court like throwing your your body on the floor and diving for loose balls just working your ass off. So I like that part of his game. And I thought that play was, um, you know, like a good example of what, what he did last night. Yeah. And I think he was aggressive as a scorer, but the, the times we get, we, we run into trouble with Marcus is when he starts chucking threes. Yeah. And I think none of us have ever had a problem with him getting to the bucket and getting shots in the paint. That's where he's very um, effective as a scorer. And then, Talking a little bit, a little bit about the defense. This was a complete switch from game one in terms of defensive intensity, in my opinion. I know the Sixers didn't shoot well um, from three, even on their open shots. They shot six for thirty overall, but they weren't getting a ton of open shots, a ton of great looks, in my opinion. Um, James Harden shot two for fourteen. He couldn't get going. That's not going to keep up forever. But a lot of this has to do with our defensive pressure a lot of it was smart on Harden um I think we saw more smart on Harden this game like by far more than we did in game one and and I really like that and smart on Embiid 
on the switch. Um, they're trying to target that switch for Embiid, trying to get him on. I mean, if you think about it, like who exactly will he switch on to that he can, you know, beat handedly? I mean, well, Embiid can beat everybody with that elbow jumper because he just is elite from there. That elbow jumper, no matter how much you're in his space, he's going to hit that every time. But other than that, when they're targeting a switch, like if you look at the Celtics starting five, would you, if he switches on to Tatum, Tatum can guard him, Horford can guard him, Smart can guard him, White can guard him, and Brown can guard him. So that's where he really gets into trouble is he's trying to target a switch with, um, you know, anyone to get on a different player. And it's all five guys can guard him um, relatively effectively. I mean, Embiid is an amazing player. Um, and he clearly wasn't 100% tonight. I actually wanted to talk about Philly rushing him back. I think that was a really stupid idea. You got the game one win at home or at, at the Celtics house. That's a that's on paper. That was a win you weren't supposed to get. You should have just kept him beat out for game two. He was clearly not 100%. And he has injury history, mostly because of the way he plays the game. That guy is on the floor more than anyone I think I can remember watching. And, I mean, he's always just putting himself into uh, situations where he can get injured, and especially on that knee. So I thought it was not a great idea for him to come back, clearly hobbled, and play play like 20-plus minutes uh, with a lot of opportunities to get hurt. I just want I just did you have any thoughts on Embiid coming back? Yeah, well, before the game, I was like, I was scared as a Celtics fan because I was like, "Wow, Embiid's yeah ready to come back." Um, but watching the game, I completely agree with you. He shouldn't have been out there. No, uh, and it's not because it wasn't a big game, but it's because they won Game One. Like, if they had lost Game One, I, I would understand much more him being out there and the urgency. But it, it's a weird situation because you don't want to just like throw away a game. But I would say Harden just dropped forty five. We want to give Embiid some more time. Let's see if Harden can do it again, if I'm the Sixers. Let's see if Harden can just turn back the clock, um, sneak out another win, which would be, you know, completely unexpected. Probably the biggest upset of the playoffs if it happened. So, I agree. I don't think they were going to win that game regardless. That was, uh, the, the writing was on the wall for this one. Um, and to see Embiid out there, like, hobbled and, like, he gets nine shots. He basically split minutes with Paul Reed. I don't know. I don't know what the point is um, to rush him back, but yeah, um, we'll see if he looks healthier next game. Yeah, I think. I think. Do you think it was just the fact that he won MVP, which we we didn't really talk about? Um, good win for him. I thought. I thought he was MVP this season, so not mad about that pick at all. But do you think it was because he won MVP? He wanted to get out there and play. I. I mean, it might have had something to do with it. I think players in general just want to be on the court when they can be regardless of if they're 100 percent or not so yeah. i think he probably had a big say in putting himself on the floor um but yeah i mean congrats on the mvp um did you know that every so plus minus is one of the dumbest metrics that exist but every once I hate in a it. while i hate it too but every once in a while it's just funny to look at did you know that every single player on the celtics had a plus uh this game see this is why i don't like plus minus because yeah. in blowouts everyone's gonna have and positive and everyone had a negative on <laughs> on the sixers every single player had a negative except for montrez harrell who didn't play yeah go montrez wow go trezel yeah dude <laughs> big i montrez is a player that i've never never liked <laughs> <laughs> he drives me nuts wow catching strays early in the morning for montrez yeah 
Um, Remember, did I you thought... go ahead? No, you go ahead. I want to. I was just gonna say, say um, how is he playing? Because didn't he get caught with like a ridiculous amount of weed not too long ago, like well, last year? Clearly, clearly he's not playing. So that's good. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right, <laughs> you you go now. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, with how good the Celts looked last night, I still have a couple concerns. Uh, Horford has not been himself shooting the ball. Yeah, he he went two for ten last night, one for eight from three. He was a a top three or top five three point percentage guy this year, and a guy that teams have had to run off the line basically and treat like he's freaking Kyle Korver or Clay Thompson. That's how well he's been shooting. You have to run him off the three point line, and in these playoffs, he's really struggled. They mentioned it on the broadcast, um, and I didn't really realize it, but he has. Uh, very much struggled these playoffs, and especially last night. I really want to see Al get going because we're going to need him. Um, he's a big part of our offense. When he when he's not knocking down shots, he's not really super useful or impactful on the court because he's not really the defender that he once was. He's still solid on defense. Um, got a nice block last night. And then Tatum, I mean, he got in foul trouble, but he just didn't look right last night. I don't know. Like He dropped 39 game one, and he looked amazing, but are we yet to get a Tatum and Brown game in these playoffs? Like, it's just slightly concerning that it's kind of inconsistent and it feels like we can only get one of those guys going. But start with Al Horford. Yeah, uh, I'll push back a little bit. The Horford defense, I think, is really um, important for this team. He's a big, like, he can legitimately guard guards. Um, we posted a TikTok and People were saying that they're all right with having him switch onto Harden. So, I mean, granted, I would have rather just for that set, like just for the last shot, just having a guard on Harden would have been fine. But, anyways, Horford can legitimately switch onto guards. The problem with Horford is he's extremely old. And these back to back, not back to back, but these two playoff games in quick succession really take a toll on old guys like him. And you can tell because his shot is flat. I don't know if you saw, um, any of those missed shots, like if you if you took a mental note, I just kind of was taking a little mental note of it that every shot that he took like was very flat. Um, the other thing about Horford is he's so reliable, just fading out to the corner three on when like Brogdon or Smart drives, you you'll watch him fade across baseline to the corner and just kind of sit out there wide open. And usually what they do is they they go down the middle, and when the defense collapses collapses in, they kick it out to Horford, and it usually is a bucket, like you said. So him not doing that, I agree with you. Offensively, he needs to get going. Hopefully some more rest will uh, you know, do that. He got he got rest tonight because obviously uh it became a blowout and he was able to kind of sit out. So I think that's why it is what it is. Um and I've talked about this with my roommates actually. If the Celtics end up winning this, I think Horford retires. <laughs> so that's that's just yeah, kinda tells definitely. you how old he is. Yeah. That's how old he is. And I also feel like if they make the finals and they lose, he might retire as well. So he's really up there in age. Um, as for the Brown and Tatum game, I, I don't know, dude. Have we ever had a Brown and Tatum game in the playoffs? Like, I, I don't remember one where they both had 30-plus. I feel like we must have. We uh, must have. Right? But, I can't but it, it feels like so long that I yeah. can't remember. I can't remember it either. I don't know. This yeah. is a weird – this team is really weird. I don't – this team drives me nuts. Um, and then they do stuff like last game and that brings you back in. But I mean, I don't know. Last, last night was not a good metric for 
talking about the Celtics and how they play because it was such a strange game. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's, neither was the first game. The first game was an extreme in the opposite end. This game was an extreme in the Celtics' end. So I think game three we'll see um, really how this series is going to look. But, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Tatum, I thought he just seemed like he was deferring to Brown because Brown was going off, which is fine. That's what you do. And I think that's a lot of the reason why when you have two big players like that that are going off, I think they can tell when the other one's going off and they kind of defer to them, which can work. Um, I don't know. This is just a strange team, and I, I can't tell you much about them. I wanted to talk to you about it. I texted you in the game. Towards the end of the second, they go on this complete scoring drought for like four minutes and let Philly kind of get back into the game a little bit. Um, why does things like that happen? Yeah, I remember you texted me. I didn't think it was – I wasn't too concerned with it. Um, I think some of it is just missing shots. I thought we, we ran good offense. Um, we did have a bad turnover. I remember Jalen was a little loose with the ball. He got poked. Um, and that happens. I mean, we didn't turn the ball over. We heard Joe Maz talk about it after the game. We only turned it over seven to, or six times. Wow, good for us yeah. uh, compared to 16 for last game. So – I wasn't super concerned with the drought. I think droughts happen and runs happen, um, especially in the NBA. The only times I get concerned with our droughts are when they're in the big moments in the fourth quarters um, and when we get bad shots and when we don't move the ball. I thought the ball kept moving last night. I think it was just shots didn't go down for that stretch. Philly made some shots, and we happened to have a couple bad turnovers in that same stretch. Yeah, and I think really – uh that's why the Marcus Smart game was so impressive because you can see what happens offensively when he becomes a facilitator. The ball moves. Um, I think last game we saw it was my turn, your turn with Tatum and Brown. But this game, you saw that it was Marcus Smart facilitating, getting the guys their shots. And I don't know. I was I was impressed with this game. I thought it was another, like, just a really impressive performance i want to talk about brogdon we haven't talked about him yet it's been too late we should have talked about him early 23 points um he had two assists six rebounds and brogdon is just so good at driving the rim and you know getting finishing through contact sometimes he misses like wide open bunnies but every every other time when it's like an impossible layup he makes it and when his jumper's going this guy is people forget that he was rookie of the year with the bucks and he was considered elite with the Bucks and the Pacers, and he had injuries that kind of left him out, and then the Celtics were able to get him because of his injury history. Um, you could just tell he's calm, cool, collected. He doesn't look scared by the moment, and I just love what our our wings situation is. Oh, I want to talk about Grant Williams, too. Just I thought he provided a lot to the game as well. So do you want to talk about those two guys? Yeah, sure. Um I'll, yeah, I'll start with Brock. Um, he is great at driving to the rim. That's what he does on a nightly basis. But last night he goes six for ten from a three, which was just yeah, beautiful. And mm-hmm. at, like when you're watching that, it's just pure joy running through your yep. your brain and your body as a Celtics fan because you know when he's shooting that well, then we have so many guys who can score a lot of points. Um, it just speaks to our depth. Obviously, Tatum and Brown at the top are going to give you 25 to 30 a night. And then you got Derek White, who we've seen average 20-plus. And obviously now we know Brogdon can average 20-plus. If he doesn't have 20 at the end of the game, I'm usually surprised. Um, and then obviously we have all the role guys like like Al and Rob. So 
I think having a, having guys like Brogdon and Derek White, I'll throw in there as like secondary scorers. It's just so rare, and it's something that makes the Celtics unique and special because it's something that other teams don't have. Um, we're we're not nearly as top heavy as the other teams in this league. And then in terms of Grant, yeah, he he played a great offensive game, four for eight, all threes. That's what I like to see from Grant. I don't need to see him take anything other than a three. Uh, had twelve points and guarded Embiid. I think he struggled a little bit with Embiid, but who doesn't? I think. When he first started guarding Embiid, he, he was giving him room, and Embiid just knocked down a, a elbow jumper, like you said. And I was kind of like, why are you giving him space? Um, but I do like his physicality. Embiid completely flopped on uh, Grant's first oh, foul. I don't know oh if I remember it. Oh, my God. The, even even uh, Reggie Miller was like, that's ridiculous. When he it, What Jordan's talking about is um, Grant comes out to like, you know, meet Embiid as he gets the ball and gathers into his three-point stance. And when Grant comes out to meet him, he, he his hip hits Embiid. Um, Embiid, I believe, is listed at close to 300 pounds. And Embiid falls over like nothing. Like, just falls over like the like a gust of wind blew him over. And that was... And then he gets the call. And it was crazy. Um, but yeah. That's going to be an issue if that if that continues in this series. Yeah. I mean, they they uh, there was there, there was one. Embiid hits an elbow jumper, and the camera f- cuts. So like the camera's on, you know, the Sixers side. He hits the elbow jumper, and it cuts over to the Celtics side, and Embiid's not over on the other side of the paint. And I'm like, where does Embiid go? And then it cuts back over to the Celtics side, and he's laying on the ground, and no one was near him. I was trying to figure out how he fell from that one. He falls so much; it's insane. Yeah, he's a serial flopper but yeah. it's we we've seen it before and we've dealt with it before so hopefully we will again yeah and the the refs have been letting stuff go i mean they called a couple of those falling fouls but they did they did, they let a lot of um the harden they don't call the the harden fouls anymore i've noticed. no harden gets very different calls in the playoffs that's yeah. that's a big reason why he struggled in the playoffs the whistle's different the the three point fouls that he lived on in houston Really don't get called, and then we definitely hacked him a couple times going to the rim that he didn't yeah. get to. Let I mean, do you want to touch on Harden a little bit? Is it is this just where he is in his career where he can drop forty five one night, and then the next night go two for fourteen and like hinder his team? Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when you don't stay in shape. I don't know. This is what this is why um I love Nikola Jokic, and he's such like a. I don't know. He's I'm fascinated by him because it's clear that he's not in shape, but he's able to perform every night. But Harden isn't that. And jo- Jokic is much younger than Harden, so that's probably an aspect of it. Jokic needs to start getting in shape because when he is Harden's age, I don't know, he definitely won't be able to have the output that he has consistently. But that's what it is with Harden is it's pretty evident that he's not in tip-top shape and I mean 45 is a large output and it is it's not easy to get it, but it's a lot. The way of getting it is a lot. Uh, I, I don't, easy is just not the word. But when you're when you when it's just you and there's no Embiid and you're the focal point of the offense, you have more opportunities to get forty five points. Um, yeah, he took he took thirty shots in game one. He took yeah, fourteen last night. So he doubled his output, but he was also just hitting ridiculous shots and it was one of those games for him. Um, I don't know, man. Harden is one of those players that I've never been able to understand fully and correctly because he's just he's so unique as a player um yeah, yeah. I, I think it's another one of those things 
Kings, where if both their guys get going, they're really tough to beat. Because yeah. Harden, Harden's shot making is like we saw it in Game One is just purely unstoppable. It's not like the Celtics were playing bad on him. He was just knocking down these ridiculous step back threes and like crossing people over. It's it's there's not a whole lot you can do about that. Um, I think what we did last night was not let him get going and come out from the jump and be physical with him, get up on him. We we gave him a couple fouls um, on the ground and just got the ball out of his hands. So I, I really like that. I think the key with Harden is to not see him or not let him see any shots go down early so he can't get going. So I think it's going to be interesting because Harden will have other big games in this series, but we have to limit him because Embiid is going to dominate at some point. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if it'll be next game, if he's fully healthy. Um, but we definitely need to steal one in Philly, and we're going to do that by uh, playing good defense and limiting either Harden or Embiid. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, anything else you want to cover on this game, or do you want to go to the Warriors-Lakers game? Let's go to Warriors. All right. Uh, this series sucks because who do you want to win? I want the Lakers very much. Really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess... I don't know, dude. I I hope they both lose. I don't know. I I it's just I'm just gonna sit there and enjoy the basketball and I don't know. I'm pro- we're programmed to hate the Lakers, so it's I can't root for them. But I just I despise the Warriors as a Celtics fan. So I, I think the Warriors scare me more. Yeah. If we were to play them in the finals, that's why. Okay. I think what I think my thought process is is I think. I think what I what I'll hope for is the Lakers to beat the Warriors because I think Denver can beat the Lakers better. That's true. That's very true. Denver. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I think Denver Maybe can not. beat both of them. But the problem is Denver's offense runs through a big, and both of them, both these teams have good defenders for that. Like Draymond versus Jokic would be a fascinating. Like imagine Draymond and Jokic just barking at each other on the court. And I mean, Jokic we saw we players. saw it first round last year and Draymond did a really good job on him yeah but like in a way more intense atmosphere like Jokic has pressure on him like never before that would be Western Conference Finals I mean his Serbian brother sitting at courtside watching like probably chirping Draymond you know that'd be fun and then the other one would be AD on Jokic uh is AD can look like you know defensive player of the year so I don't know either way this series is painful for a Celtics fan but as a basketball purist Fan, purity fan. I don't know. That didn't make sense. As a as a guy who loves basketball, I fucking love this. Like watching these two teams go at it. Um, so the thing that stuck out to me was Jared Vanderbilt is guarding Steph Curry. How do you feel about that? I loved it for the Lakers. Me too. He did a great job. He did, he did very well. Uh, he held him to two for ten as the primary defender, and they were almost all contested shots. Like Steph really struggled to get open with. Vanderbilt on him. Um, he blocked his shot at least once. Remember, yeah. Steph was coming down for a floater. Vanderbilt got him from behind. <laughs> so I love Vanderbilt. This is a big reason I like the Lakers is they have length and depth and physicality in defense. Um, Steph, I I think needs to needed to do a little bit more in terms of being aggressive and getting good looks. Um, I know Van Gundy was mentioning it that they were trying to use him off the ball so much. And it wasn't working as well. Um, then they got him on the ball, using him in pick and rolls as a point guard, and he started to get going a little bit. I think 
the Warriors are so Steph dependent that he is going to have to go off to win these games. And the Lakers are not LeBron dependent at all. LeBron didn't uh, play play that great. Um, excuse me. When um, when AD plays like this, LeBron can be a, a passer and a fast break guy and a driver. He doesn't have to you know dominate the ball and take a ton of shots. So I I like the Lakers' depth in this series. Um, what did you make of AD's performance? Man, this is why. <laughs> If AD could have stayed healthy, his career is well. His career in the history books later on is going to be one of the more fascinating ones because this guy stayed healthy. You're talking about someone who is offensively dynamic and then defensively can be the best player. Defense he can defensively be the best player in the NBA at points. So his two way ability, which you know we love, like we always talk about, our favorite players are two way players because. There's nothing more annoying to me than when you have an, a dynamic offensive player and then doesn't play defense. AD's the opposite of that. And he really can break teams. He, you saw it with Steph. Steph stopped trying to drive as much. In the Kings game, Steph wasn't shooting as much. He was driving the paint and getting hard layups. Absolutely dominated the paint in Game 7. Yeah, and now he's avoiding the paint and relying on you know, jump shots. And you know, as a fan, you're probably like, well, that's what Steph does you don't want him shooting jump shots i'd rather him take a jump shot than a layup any day that's just yeah normal that's just called basketball yeah exactly um you know what was so funny to me is that the lakers clearly watched that king's warriors uh series and they are doing to kevon looney exactly what the warriors did to demontis sabonis they when kevon looney gets the ball at the top of the key they back off and they're like go ahead and shoot and yeah it's breaking Sabonis, or it's breaking him like it was breaking Sabonis because he's just not going to shoot that. He's such a good offensive rebounder that you have to have him on the court. And I think he had another 20 rebound game. He had 23 rebounds. Game. 23 rebounds. Yeah. So you have to have him on the court. But at the same time, when you have him and Draymond on the court together, you have two guys who are non factors offensively, like in terms of scoring. They're just not threats. Yeah. So then you're playing like, Pretty much almost a five on three. It's kind of like a four on three because Draymond and Looney are like half of an offensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, Looney's going to struggle and they don't have to guard him at all. I think the, the one thing about AD that I'll say, he had 23 and 11 at halftime, which is absolute absurdity. Uh, he finished, though, with 30 and 23, I think. So. He slowed down offensively, and I think it was really clear, especially when the Warriors went on their big 14-0 run in the fourth quarter, I think he was very gassed. And that's been my concern with the Lakers. It was more for LeBron, um, but you mentioned it a lot with AD as well, that these guys, they're not super durable, um, even even over the course of a game. like I understand like AD played great, but you need a little more from him in the second half still because the 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 Warriors go on this huge run and the Lakers needed an answer and they have it. They have the answer. Um but AD just wasn't willing to to provide it. Uh the uh, well the thing yeah, I agree with you. But the scary part is that AD played the most minutes of anyone on the court. He had 44. Um next highest was LeBron at 40. And then after that, the next highest was um, Austin Reeves at 39. 
the Lakers only had four reserves come in. It was Rui, uh, Wendy and Gabriel, shout out, uh, Troy Brown Jr. and Dennis Schroeder. Um, the only one that played significant minutes of that group was Dennis Schroeder. So the Warrior or the Lakers rather, while their their team actually looks deeper, they don't play as many subs as the Warriors do. Um, no, but I, I think they have higher quality subs. Yeah, I agree with that. But they have like Pooth played 30, DiVincenzo 12, Peyton 12, Michael Green 8, Moody 6. So it's not like I think they're like pretty much playing the same amount of time. I just their stars are getting a little bit more rest. Um, yeah, I mean, this this it's game one, so it's hard to take away a ton because game one is the weirdest game of the series because the craziest shit happens. But I mean, Andrew Wiggins also just kind of going cold from three was really helpful. I think the Warriors were, were will obviously shoot better, but the Lakers perimeter defense was something I was not really accounting for because, I mean, if you look at who they have on their team, you can tell that inside they're fine, but but perimeter-wise, they have D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Ruby Hachimura, Troy Brown Jr., Dennis Schroeder. All of those guys are negatives defensively. Um, so you would think that they could just torch you on the perimeter defense, but I think the I've seen a stat over time. Um, I believe it's I don't know who's taught. I think Kevin O'Connor is the one from the Ringer that I've kind of heard the most from. But the Warriors are running the most pick and rolls they've ever run, and I think that's kind of to their detriment because they're running these pick and rolls, hoping to get a switch. But the bigs are the better defenders here for the Lakers. So if you're running all these pick and rolls, you're getting picked off of your bad perimeter defender onto a good perimeter defender who's big so I, I wonder if that's something that they stopped doing as much yeah I, yeah that'll be interesting I don't know I like Steph in any scenario where he has the ball in his hands so I don't mind that um what did you make of the Jordan Poole shot that terrible shot terrible terrible shot what did you think of it yeah I, I know you hated it um I didn't hate it as much as you did you see Halliburton talk about it yeah I saw it. and then they're like that's why you're talking with us <laughs> yeah yeah I thought that was funny but I don't know. I mean, he was open. He was open. There's there's 10 seconds left in the game. I don't know if if he like drives there or or passes it if they get a better look than that. Um, but I do think with 10 seconds left, he should have he shouldn't have taken that. I think he should have just spotted up closer to the line. I don't know why you're spotting up like that like logo well, parallel. But Yeah, you know you know why he was open is cuz he was at the fucking logo and yeah. he's not going to shoot. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I just, think. Hang on, did you see uh, Steph comments about it after the game? I saw him. I didn't see the comments, but I saw uh, his reaction on the court when he. Like, yeah, so his reaction on the court was like disbelief and disappointment. Fucking idiot! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah kind of that going through his head, and then he says all the right things in the in the post game press conference, but you could just tell it wasn't yeah. from the heart. Well, call me crazy, but you have two of like the most clutch prolific three-point shooters in Clay Thompson and Steph Curry on your team um in the moment look at the exact moment where they're looking to shine um and in the moment where they thrive call me crazy but I would have liked to see them pass it to him to either or him pass it to them um in that scenario just because I think you know Steph I could see Steph knocking that down or Clay knocking that down I couldn't see Jordan Poole you know, knocking down a near half court shot like that. Yeah, not not from thirty feet. Even though he did shoot the ball pretty well, he was um, hot, and he hit that exact shot yeah. against the Celtics in the finals. To be fair, 
Yeah, he did. But I mean, that was before halftime buzzer, where this was yeah. before this was the tie game, take it to Exa- OT. Exactly, exactly. I do want to talk about kind of a discrepancy between these two teams. The Lakers. Fouls. Yeah. So the Lakers, first of all, dominate the paint. Uh, and the Warriors dominated the three-point line. I think Lakers made six threes all game. Uh, Warriors had three guys who made six threes in Poole, Clay, and Steph all made six threes. But the Warriors only got to the line six times as well. And the Lakers got 29 foul shots. I think this is a huge advantage for the Lakers. But I do think the threes kind of balance it out. Um, who do you see having the advantage? Well, the Lakers or the Warriors shot 53 threes. So they're not going to the paint. They had they had 28 points in the paint. The Lakers had 54. Um, that's why it's you're seeing literally the fouls were 24 to 12. That makes sense because the Lakers shot or the Warriors shot double the threes. They shot 53 threes. The, the Lakers shot 25. And the Lakers had doubled the points in the paint. Um so, I mean, it, it makes sense. They had 54 points in the paint. The Warriors had 28. I mean, you get less calls when you're shooting threes. So, I, I don't think it's... The Lakers inherently have the advantage on the on the fouls because they're driving the ball more and shooting less. The Warriors are going to have a disadvantage because they're shooting the ball more and driving it less. So, Yeah, I think before this series, I picked Warriors in seven. I do really like this matchup for the Lakers. I think... Uh, Jaron Jackson was a big detriment to Anthony Davis in round one. And although Draymond is a good defender, he can't guard AD the same way that Jaron Jackson can. Yeah, I don't think he can bother him, bother his shot that way. So I think AD is going to have a much bigger series here. I don't think he's going to completely take it over because when have we ever seen Anthony Davis play like the player we know he can every game? I don't think he's going to be that. Um I think he's going to win him some games, though, and then I think it'll come down to whether LeBron can, you know, turn back the clock in, in some big moments. But I really like this matchup for the Lakers after seeing game one. I'm not going to switch my prediction. I'll stick with Golden Seven or Golden State in seven. Um, what what do you have for this series? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to believe Golden State is actually dead until <laughs> until they're, you know, maybe a week after and you see the Lakers playing – um i don't know man i'm not betting against them they just there's some aura around that team that that they're special and they've been able to if you look at the playoffs every playoff series is like a rubik's cube that's mixed up in a different way and they've been able to solve it every single time without really breaking a sweat too much um i don't know this is game one we tend to overreact to game one you're talking about LeBron and AD had a combined 84 minutes played between the two of them. They have a combined age of like 60-something, so maybe even 70. <laughs> yeah, So <true. laughs> it's a little scary. Um, the Warriors, I mean, they're they're smart. They've done this forever. They're playing against a Lakers team that was built at the trade deadline and has does not have that continuity. Um, I'm, I'm going to go – I'm going to lean Warriors here just because I'm – I don't know. I, I'm not. I, I. We've seen this before with them. So. Yeah, it might be the Steph Curry effect where I think this is as good as he's ever been, and he kind of has that energy around him. Where if it's a big game, it, it reminds me of last year in the finals where every big moment I was like, "Well, Steph's gonna hit like three shots, and the game's gonna be over." 
I think yeah. he just kind of has that aura around him. It's hard to pick against him right now. He's he's one of those guys in sports where it's hard to bet against him. Um, it really is. Do you want to transition to the Knicks game? Yep, I was just gonna say that. Um, yeah. So Knicks Heat, they had a good game, one eleven to one hundred five. The Knicks are able to pull out the win there. Um, really, it was the Caleb Martin game. He had twenty two points for the Heat, and then it was he was going against Randall, who had twenty five, and Brunson who had thirty. So the Heat fans finally get um their two stars to go off. The thing that stuck out to me the most, and we're not gonna cover this game extensively because there's another game coming up that we're gonna cover. Um, in terms of the Heat Knicks game, but I know Knicks fans are happy that they got the win. You got a win against the Jimmy Butler list Heat, and you only won by six. And the Heat kind of you know flipped the script on you there. Um, and you got it on a game when both your stars went off. Are you a little bit scared for the Knicks now? I'm extremely scared because the Jimmy Butler list Heat are different than the Embiid list Sixers or the yes. Tatum list Celtics. Or the LeBronless Lakers, even like the MB- the 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 Heat without Butler are a bunch of undrafted guys yes. and a guy from Division Three and Duncan Robinson and like there's just Adebayo. not that much talent on the court. I mean, Adebayo's talented. He's he's a you know big time prospect, but he's not uh he's not going to score not, over twenty points for you. Tell you he's that not a, a big time star even in this game. Yeah, he he only got ten shots, scored fifteen points. So to let Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent and Max Struess like just get buckets on you, I think is really concerning as the Knicks. And I just thought it was overall way harder than it should have been for the Knicks. Um, they hold the Heat to 105, but man, did the, did the Knicks struggle on offense, especially um, early on. They were trailing most of this game, most of the first half in the third quarter. They were trailing, and it was really like concerning for me because I thought the Knicks. Um, were better shooters. I, I really did. And you saw Brunson turn it on in the second half. He he goes for 23 just in the second half alone, which was big. It was great to see. Uh, Josh Hart really struggled. Wasn't expecting that. And team overall struggled from three. Wasn't expecting that. Haven't seen him a lot from quickly yet. Still waiting on a couple quickly games. So I don't know. I'm concerned for the Knicks. I thought, I thought they were a better offensive team. I thought they should have won this game by 15 to 20. Yeah, I mean, you wait. I mean, they got the win, but they, they got, they barely beat the Heat when they had Randall score twenty five, Brunson score thirty, and Barrett score twenty four. I don't know if you're going to get that production as much, and even if you do, it's clear that you can only score one hundred eleven. Um, they won by six. Jimmy Butler is worth more than six points. He can get you, he can get you fifty in a playoff game, and I don't know. It depends on what his timetable for his return is, but. I'm a little scared because this was at home too. You're going back to Miami, not a hard place to play by any means. The, I mean, we always joke on it. I mean, it's just a bunch of old rich guys in Miami. They don't really actually care about the game when you. Yeah, watch. I mean, it's still an opposing arena, but it, yeah, yeah, it's not nowhere near MSG. It's not the Garden. Yeah, no. Um, um but I want to give a a shout out to. Sorry, I cut you off. No, you're good. Um, I want to give a shout out to Isaiah Hartenstein. I don't know if you watched yes, this yes. game. But he had a play where he goes for like three offensive boards in a huge moment, and the Knicks end up scoring. I think they end up hitting a three off that play. So I just want to give a shout out to that. Uh, but go ahead, say what you wanted to say. Um, quickly, like not not quickly as a transition, but quickly the player. He 
he is he is not ready for the playoffs right now. He is ha- he hasn't had a good playoff game yet. Um, I don't think he scored over ten points yet in the playoffs. And um, I don't know. He was supposed to be sixth man of the year. Um, he put up six points last game, and he just looks like the moment's a little too big. He only got nine minutes. Uh, what, what are you seeing from from quickly out there? Yeah, I mean, like you said, shots aren't going in. He looks a little bit frantic and out of sorts to me. I think for a guy who was finished second in six man of the year voting, you need more from him as the Knicks. He's a big part of, of their offense and their spark on offense when other guys can't get going. Um, they look to quickly a lot to provide that. And the nine minutes, I think, might be the most concerning if I'm a Knicks fan because yeah. no matter how off he is, I mean, I still want him on the court because you're not going to win without an offensive spark. And if Tibbs feels like he can't play him, they're going to really struggle to score. So, yeah, I think that's concerning. Um, And I don't know if I see him turning it around because, like you said, he's so young and he just doesn't look ready for the moment. Yeah, he looks looks like... I think this game was a big game to see whether or not he's going to be fully broken. And he might be a little broken right now. Um... One more thing before we go, just Bam Adebayo. I mean, he has six assists, fifteen points. Um, but on the opposite end, he's guarding, he's guarding Randall and Robinson, who put up a combined thirty-one. Even though obviously Robinson only had six, um, he did pretty good. You know, getting rebounds over Robinson. Robinson only had five rebounds total. Um, this is coming off a series when Robinson had like a ton of rebounds, so. Bam was able to affect that, but I mean, should we change the way we talk about a Bam when we talk about elite players? Because I mean, I don't know. He's not putting up elite numbers. He hasn't really all season. He rarely, I mean, all playoffs, he rarely scores over 20 points. Um, I like the assist numbers from him. That was impressive. But in a game when Butler's gone, Bam is your number two player on your team. He's the second highest or he's up there in the highest paid players and he's considered the second star on your team. You need him to get over 20 points and to go off and he just doesn't. Um, what do you see from Bam? I I like what you said about changing how we talk about Bam and think about Bam because I think he just doesn't have that shot creation that you need him to have as a second scorer. He's not a second scorer. I think he, he's maybe a second best player. Um but if he's your second best player, you need your third guy to be a really, really good scorer. And because Bam's just not going to provide a ton of offense on his own. He's going to score. He's good in the mid range. Um, obviously, he's a great roller. He catches lobs. But other than that, like, he's not going to, you, you can't just give him the ball and tell him to score. That's not what he does. And I think a lot of people thought that he would develop that and develop a little bit of a post up game, which I just don't think he has. I think he has a decent face up game. Um, like I said, he's very good, you know, from the foul line and in, but I, I mean, I haven't thought of Bam as a second star on a championship team in a long time. I don't, I don't know if I ever thought of him that way. I think he's a, a third guy, a third, um, scoring option. Who's a very good defender. And I think people are going to start to realize that if they are, if they haven't already. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, anything else you want to cover from this game? I'm all good. I'm all good too. It, it's it's a fun series so far. Um, it's just 
these games are hard to cover when there's a star missing, you know, because it's like, I don't know, there's there's just a yeah. huge chunk missing in the game. So we'll come back with um, a more detailed covering of this game after their next game that's coming up. And we're going to be covering the Nuggets and the Suns game as well as this game in the future. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Lovecast. We'll be back later in the week to cover the rest of the playoff games. And yeah, I mean, let's lock in. This is a lot of fun. I mean, these playoffs have been some of the most fun playoffs we've had ever. Can you remember a time with better playoff matchups? No, I mean, this is just so much fun. This is basketball heaven. Yeah, it really is. So, all right. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back yeah. next week. Shorty, what's up with y'all? Oh, hi. Coming to say you're lucky, fine. We got to cutting it off. Nobody kidding, fuck on my line. I'm going to keep it up with y'all. But shorty, I'm trying to make you mine. Don't make it too easy, I want to try. She looking too good, can't let it go by. Oh, yeah. Think I won the lotto. This slow mulatto. She could be a model. She want to show me some. Think I won the lotto. This slow mulatto. She could be a model.